recorded music, and I forgot to include a prelude at all, so I hope you enjoyed having nice conversations instead. And at the end of the service, guess what? There's no postlude either, so you can resume your conversation at the end of the service. Uh, oh yeah, I need to do a little thing. This uh, rotating announcement slide thing is fun, but um, also a big learning curve for me. to visit and connect with one another today. And, and Father, we thank you that we can be gathered together to worship you. And so we ask that your spirit would be amongst us here today, that he would speak to us and uh, be in the midst of our worship and our praise. And Father, we give it all to you, first all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. This morning is a responsive reading from Psalm 16, and you'll read the part in yellow. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with the eternal pleasures. First hymn is number 31 in your hymnals. I exult thee.
joined them virtually, so we're joined by Google Meet. And uh, when the actual business part of the meeting was done, I just asked if I could be excused because I was feeling pretty lousy and not feeling worse. It was a terrible night, Tuesday, and then Wednesday and Thursday I was feeling kind of crummy, but Friday started to come around, and then um, yesterday I was actually um, outside working and feeling much better, and so appreciate all the prayers, and that's when I got a call from, I got a call, an email from Lori Backus that George Backus has been moved into palliative care instead within the hospital, and so um, so I was uh, decided to go out to see him. Also saw Jack Hardeman, who is also in decline, and um, then Lois Hickey, who's a lady I know at the First Baptist, is also uh, going to speak with her daughters, and she's also palliative at this point too, so... Um, I have a wedding coming up on Friday, and so I'm just kind of saying to God, like, and then, oh, and Saturday is the performance as well, so I, I'm saying to God, like, uh, if you could just hold on to, to calling these people home uh, for uh, next week or something like that, gosh, it would be a lot, but uh, please do keep those people in your prayers as well. We're looking forward to starting next week to celebrating Christmas. It's all about Jesus. And so that series will start and run through our Advent season. Uh, you will find next week a transformation in this space that will be quite amazing. I'm always uh, appreciative of all the work that goes into decorating for our church for the Christmas season. We have our Christmas baking as well that is happening. And it's $20 for two dozen cookies, um, goodies, or $30 for three dozen. Uh, the order date is, bef is before December 2nd, which I think is next Friday or Sunday or something. There we go. Um, and uh, so the time is running out to get your orders in. If you have orders, then you speak to Brenda about that. And we have volunteers needed on the big day for December 9th. And the proceeds for all, proceeds for all this will go to our church decor, uh, which needs updating as well. So that would be great. Our Goshen Christmas dinner is coming up on December 10th at 5.30 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet for attending, and there's also a sign-up sheet because it's an organized potluck. So make sure you sign up for both, please. And the sign-up sheets are on the table at the back of the church. The CDOQ has an Advent reader. So if you're looking for something to enhance your Christmas season as well, you can just go to their website and download for free Advent reader, and it has scripture readings and thoughts for each day of Advent, uh, starting I think around December 3rd, and so it's all based on the names of Jesus, so that's just a free resource for you. Um, they even have a kids' activity item that you can join in there, too. Are there any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention today? Alright, thank you. And so... We are called to give to the ongoing work of building God's kingdom. And we can do that through giving at the plates in the back of the church or online through e-transfer. And this is an act of worship as well. So let's turn to God in prayer and thanksgiving for his goodness to us. Father, we thank you for the gifts, the tithes and the offerings that have been given. And Father, we ask that you would bless them and multiply them. And Father, that all those who give, and, and those even who are not able to give, Father, in, in financial ways, that you would bless them. Help us all to be generous, Father. Help us all to be faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
struggling with issues with his voice for a long time now, and been investigating a bunch of different things and not finding many answers, but then has found, unfortunately, that uh, they have found some cancer. Uh, and so that was just discovered recently. And so uh, he has been added to our prayer list. He will be getting treatment. And um, <coughs> is there anything that I'm forgetting off the top of my head in general? Okay. So we do want to be praying for President uh, Wilson Doreen, who Wilson and Joan are good friends of ours here and regular attenders. Wilson uh, has problems with his eye that are apparently quite serious. Uh, Serena met up with him in the eye doctor's office and gave me an update on that. And so we want to be praying for Wilson in regards to his eye. And uh, I had mentioned, of course, with George Backus being palliative. Uh, for any of you who might know, Lois Hickey as well. She's palliative now. And, uh, and Martin has joined us today as well. Thank you. Good to see you, Mark. And, uh, and Jack is in decline as well, unfortunately. So um, These are people that we have uh, updates on. Um, Teresa, any updates for Elizabeth as well? Yes. Yeah. She's going to be moving into long-term care. She's going to be moving to long-term care. It's not safe for her to be alone anymore. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that update. Thank you all for your prayers. Thank you. And um, is there anybody else that we should be praying for today or any other updates that anyone would like to add? First off, we'll start there. It's good to see all the people from uh, uh, Israel. And that the return sort of much of the new last night from mm -hmm. there. Really touching to see some of them that they think they are Yeah, for sure. So the people in Israel, there's a ceasefire right now. And, and there's some exchange of people that's happening in that situation with Israel, and so we uh, we do praise God for that as well. Some resources have been able to get through that they've needed to. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, sure. Um, Margaret Innes, she was the lady with our friend's mom who has the esophagus issue. Uh, she's back on solid foods, so oh. hopefully she can stay that way. Good news. Thank you for sharing. Any other praise items anyone would like to share this week? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We're purging our basement. You're purging your basement? <laughs> We're purging! Wow! That was a very new concept for us. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. That's a specific job. We need to tackle some of these things. Father, we come before you today and we uh, are grateful for the good things that you have put into our lives. Father, thank you for the sunshine today and thank you for just the warmth that we have of being together here in this place. Uh, Father, we thank you as well that uh, Elizabeth is moving into long-term care and getting the help that she needs. Father, we thank you that Margaret is able to have some solid food and that's good news. Father, we continue to pray and lift up all of the other needs that we have, all the people that are on our list. Father, we continue to pray for Les Craig, for Joel Krause, for Tim Topham, Dorothy Burns, for Jack Harden, for Maddie Roman, 
Shirley Dane. And Father, we thank you for that Elizabeth Hysaw and Margaret Ennis are getting what they need at this point. Father, we lift up to you as well today, Fred Parsons. And we pray for this treatment time that's coming up in his life. We pray that it would be effective, Father, that the effects would be minimal, and that you would help him through that and bring healing. Father, we lift up Wilson to read to you and pray for that in his eye situation that uh, the treatment he's getting would, would help and would bring healing. Father, for George Backus at this time, as he draws close to you, we lift him up to you. And also Helen, Father, and Stephen, Lord, we pray that you be with them at this time. Father, today I also want to lift up uh, my mother, Lyle, and pray that you would just help her to get the rest that she needs. And, and Father, as she's going through a change in medication, we pray that I would just help her through the, the withdrawal of that. And just meet her needs each day. Father, be with our sister churches today as well. May your name and your glory be proclaimed all throughout this country, throughout our community, throughout the world, that you may be glorified. Father, speak to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name.
Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head, and a chain to adorn your neck. Well, here we are, finally, at long, long last, to the end of our series on connecting, nine ways to connect with God. And as I've said all along, intimacy with God is key to a vibrant faith. And hopefully that's what you want. Hopefully you want a vibrant faith. If you reach a moment where you find that your faith is not vibrant, it's not really exciting or impacting anybody, maybe... You should check about your intimacy with God. When's the last time you actually were close with God or had a, an experience of God that really made a difference in your life? Of course, I hope that every one of you takes time to spend each day some time with God, a quiet time. Because this is an important foundation in our life. That we take a few minutes or a longer time, a period of time, to just reflect on the Word of God. And the daily bread is such an easy and useful tool that we can use. A little booklet, we have them free here if you want. You can pick one up. You can go online and do our daily bread that way, or we can use a different resource. That's fine too. But what's critical is that we do that day by day. And week to week, it's important that we gather together as a family of faith, and that we learn together, and we grow together, and we share together. But maybe, for you, you've thought, huh, can't help wondering, is there something more? And I hope that over this series of nine weeks as we've looked into this, that you stop to reflect on the statement that I feel closest to God when. You've actually had time to stop and think about, when do I feel closest to God? And maybe experiment it in different ways to see, okay, this is when I feel closest to God. Because each one of us is unique as our fingerprint. So how do you connect with God? That's what the series is all about. And as a resource book, we have Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And if you've been following along in the book, you'll find that I'm just using it as a resource. I'm not using it word for word. It's not, uh, sometimes my words may be very different than Gary's. And so if you've been trying to like put those two together, may the Lord have mercy on your soul. Um, but hopefully, they kind of flesh together a little bit. Gary talks about the nine different temperaments that we have gone over and looked at through these weeks. Well, eight of them anyways, and today we'll be looking at the last one. But what's important is not that you just find one that is for yourself, but that you, like most people, might find that there are different ways that you connect with God. And that there are different amounts at different times. 
that God can speak to you and you can connect with him. And so for the last time, let's walk through all of these temperaments. Uh, we have started with the naturalist who connects with God through nature, then the sensate who connects with God through their senses, the traditionalist who connects with God through rituals and tradition, the ascetic who connects with God through minimalism, the activist who connects with God through confronting evil and warning others of wrong, the caregiver who connects with God by caring for others, the enthusiast who connects with God through celebration. The contemplative, last week we talked about that, who connects with God through the heart, through just being with Him. And throughout this, I've said, we were made in the image of God. Right? This is important stuff. This is the foundation of why we are unpacking all of this. Because when we enjoy creation, it's not accidental, we are reflecting our Creator. God made all of this beauty around us. And when we enjoy that, we are reflecting the work that he has done and the fact that he enjoys it too. When we employ our senses, we reflect our creator because he too has senses such as taste and smell and sight and so on. When we engage in rituals, we reflect our creator because God created a lot of these rituals to show us how to worship him. When we embrace minimalism, I told you as well that we reflect our Creator because God makes everything for a reason, and it has a function and it works together. There's no waste or excess of God. When we enter into activism, we reflect our Creator as well because God cares about wrongdoing and God cares about people who are going in the wrong direction. And so when we engage in service, we also reflect our Creator. Because God has created all of this for us. And God has, God spends so much of his time responding to our needs, right? God serves us. Hey God, I need this. Hey God, this has gone wrong. And God responds. <clears throat> Surprisingly, we also find out that when we celebrate, we reflect our creator because God likes to party. I know it sounds very unbaptist, but it's true nonetheless. God actually likes to celebrate, and we unpack some of that as we looked at some of this stuff out of the Old Testament and the festivals and the celebrations they had. Psalms is full of God celebrating with his people. Last week we talked about that when we express devotion, we reflect our creator. Because as much as somebody ever may be devoted to us, God is way more devoted to us. God loves us than anyone could ever more than anyone ever could imagine English. Yeah, let's try it again. God loves us more than anyone else ever could. Uh, my, uh, our good friend Peter Black was playing the accordion at Eden today, and uh, beforehand he was telling me how he was struggling with words. Uh, Peter has had a few strokes, um, and so he has a good excuse. I'm not sure what mine is. Um, but anyways, please bear with me, and we'll get through this. Today I want to talk about God and learning. Um, Gary Thomas uses the term the intellectual as a temperament. And I think it's not, I think that can be off-putting for some of us. For me it can as well. But I think it's really um, about learning. But we'll use his language for the reading. Here's our final survey. 
are you an intellectual? Number one, I feel closest to God when I learn something new about Him that I didn't understand before. My mind needs to be stimulated. It's very important to me that I know exactly what I believe. Number two, I get frustrated when the church focuses too much on feelings and significant experience. A far more important to me is the need to understand the Christian faith and have proper doctrine. Number three, the words concepts and truth are very appealing to me. Number four, I feel close to God when I participate in a time of uninterrupted study, reading God's word or good Christian books, and then perhaps having an opportunity to teach or participate in a discussion with a small group. The intellectual says, let me think. And finally, I spend more money on books than music. Are you an intellectual? Oops, that's supposed to say sorry. There we go. Um, God knows everything. That may be a surprise to you, but actually God knows everything. Like, you know, human beings are, are so happy about learning things like we unpack all about DNA and, and what all that means. And, and we're like, oh, look how smart we are. And God is like, I knew that. Like, God knows everything. When it comes to the Bible, I would say that, to be honest, I know it all. Um, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I'm a pastor, right? So I've read through three times, and, and I know the gist of all of the Bible, right? I know about how it breaks down, the New and the Old Testament. I know about the prophets and the forefathers. I know about Jesus and his disciples. I know about Revelation. Um, I know it all, really. But in a general and vague way, right? You can't ask me, you know, flip to number, page number 632 and tell me what's on the sixth line. I can't do stuff like that, right? I, I know it in a general and vague way. I, you know for a fact that sometimes you get Carl's paraphrase of the Bible instead of the word-for-word -word version, right? Um, I know it in a general and vague way. But when it comes to the Bible, God knows it all. Because God wrote it all. He knows it in a specific and clear way. Every single word of the Bible, because it is his word to us. And God knows not only all about every little minutia of the Bible, God knows about everything. Because he created everything. Right? God knows it all because he created it all. And so when we are learning, we actually honor our creator. I want to know more about the things that you have done. Know more about you. <laughs> All right, here's the real question. Do you like learning? Like, do you like learning? Uh, when we think about school, what was your favorite subject? You know, for some people, they have a favorite subject in school. So, so tell me, what was your favorite subject in school? Recess. Oh. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. That was mine too. Right? How about somebody else? Music. Uh, music, sorry. Art. Okay. Math. 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 Okay. Yeah. 
Um, we had uh, somebody in Eden, too, that, that loved math. Um, math and I were not friends. Um, I, I really uh, am amazed by people who have a, a love for math and have a math mind that was not me. Grade 9, I took math in my, I took advanced math because I wanted to go to university back in the day. That's how they did it, right? Advanced or general. And so I took advanced math in grade 9, first semester. I flunked it. I had to take it over again. I passed it. Grade 10, I got a 50%. Grade 11, I took it in first semester, failed. Got like a 67 or something like that in math. That was my highest math number ever. And I said at that point, I am never taking this math again. Of course, I had to finish the grade 12 math, right? But I said, I don't care what, what, what uh, it ends for me in a career-wise, what things I can't do because I'm not taking advanced grade 12 math. I'm just not doing it. So I took my general level grade 12 math. And that class is filled with all the people who really don't care, but have to be there. <laughs> the amazing thing about that class is they actually taught an easier way to learn how to do math. And actually learn to like math a little bit. And uh, so that was kind of cool. And I thought, why didn't they teach this, this stuff before? But anyway. Yeah. You like to learn. The reality is that when it came to the upper grades of high school, I rather, would rather play Frisbee than be in class. Um, if the weather was good and I had a Frisbee, which I always had a Frisbee because it was in the locker, if it wasn't on the school roof. Um, and so um, we played a lot of Frisbee. Frisbee is a fantastic game outside, but inside it's a beautiful game uh, because there's no wind, right? And so at Stephen Leacock Collegiate, um, they have those nice, shiny, polished floors, and I learned how you could skip it to a friend, you know, and have it go down and back up again. Um, you know, if I was, had lockers and I uh, wanted to send it down to Jack, you know, I'd just bounce it off the locker this way and then have it go right to Jack, you know, that would be perfect. Uh, I could do stuff like that. Stephen Leacock is made out of poured concrete. It looks like a jail. You know, kids talk about school being jail. It really looks like a jail. Um, but they had these wonderful rounded stairwells. And I could stand at the top and I could release it off the side. And I could actually, have, it would wrap around the walls and I'd come around and pick it up off the other side. Um, amazing. I played a lot of Frisbee. I liked Frisbee more than learning. So then there was the going back. So I was working for Honda, Simcoe Honda, at the dealership there, and I had been doing youth work at Salkirk Baptist Church, but I felt that the lead pastor had moved on, and I felt like maybe God was calling me to put my name in as a lead pastor. And so I knew that if I was going to do that, I needed more education. And so I told them that if they would take the money they were paying me as a youth pastor and continue to do youth work as well as lead, and if they would put that towards my education and go back to school. And so around the age of 40, I went to seminary, the McMaster Seminary, and it was uh, intimidating, to say the least. Uh, I was really quite concerned <laughs> about the process, right? Because in my head, I knew academics, right? And I knew some people that are, that are all about the academics. They, they care about the academic accolades, right? About how bright they are. And, and all they care about is more accolades of academics 
And I thought, I don't want anything to do with that. I, that's not why I want to go. And I'd heard, you know, some people, the mindset that, that you can have faith or you can have education. You know, you can't have both. They don't go together. But I'd actually learned differently. I'd learned differently. Because I found resources that actually helped the two mesh. The quote that I want to share from the book today is this. Any form of Christianity that rejects or even diminishes the importance of the mind is not a biblical Christianity. I was inspired to go back to school by a couple of people. This is my great-grandfather, Cross. He was born in England, uh, in the area of Yorkshire, and he came to Canada to go to school to study in Brandon, Manitoba, to go into the mission field. And so he came and he studied and he learned. He met his wife there and they went over to India and they taught at a school. He was a principal at a school at the... It's gone out of my head. The Baptist Theological Seminary in Kakanada, which still exists to this day. It's pretty cool. Parents and Sunday school teachers and preachers and others had reminded me of this as well. That in the Bible it tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. All your mind. My grandma's pretty amazing, my mom's mom. Uh, she had gone to Ontario Bible College when she was young. And she had taken a bunch of courses, and she had never finished her program. And she taught adult Sunday school. She loved to delve into the Word of God and learn about God. And she did that for years and years and years. And then finally, when she was getting older, she once again, as she would do from time to time, mentioned the fact that she really wished she had finished that. But instead, she built a family, which is good. And so her kids encouraged her and helped her to reach out to Ontario Bible College. And they created a course for her. And she finished. And she graduated in her 80s. <laughs> Very cool. One of the passages that she would often point out as she was getting older and felt that her mind was slipping. is she would remind God of his promise to give her a sound mind. This is from the King James Version, um, and it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. The mind is important to God. And so I was motivated to go back to school. I, this was something else that sort of rang true in my head at the time. To do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. God's word. See, this time I actually wanted to learn. Not like when I was in high school. And I wanted to learn about God so that I could know God and I could share God. I wanted to know about God so that I could know God and I could share God. And it was a long haul, those five years of full-time work and part-time study but I gotta say that God was good. And my wife was a saint. She helped me through a lot of times. 
where I was just going crazy. What else? Another way that God was good was that, you know, I had that anticipation, that fear that the academic accolades would be all that they cared about as the professors, that they would just be full of themselves and they were not. The first day I had two courses back to back and both professors said to me, said to the class, excuse me, that if you're just here about the academic accolades, you're not here for the right reasons. If you're here to become a better Christian and to learn how you can better serve God, you're here for the right reasons. And that was an answer to prayer. And we live in an amazing time. With technology and with resources, there are many ways to learn. You can go and take a course. Absolutely, you can take a single course um, online or in person, and that's a great way to learn. But there's also so many free resources, good free resources out there. If you have a computer, you can go and learn there. Or you can even, if your words aren't your strong suit, and reading isn't your strong suit, you can listen to podcasts and learn that way. And it's incredible. See, the benefits for those who are learners is knowing, growing, and showing. You get to know more about God, which helps you to be able to be growing in your faith. And in turn, you can be showing others about how wonderful God is. I love this picture. It's so fantastic. This kid who is just filled with joy with a Bible in his lap. That's the kind of thing that we can give to others. That's the gift that we have. And we have a responsibility to learn and grow so we can help others learn and grow too. Of course, there are some dangers for those who are learners. And I'm going to call it winning and wandering and wavering. What I mean by winning is that you have some people who always want to just press their point. That are very educated, but they're always wanting to battle it out about their, their point that they're thinking about. They always want to fight about it. And as a matter of fact, maybe you think about the Pharisees who sometimes are very cold and calculating about being right about doctrine and doing so without any heart for the people. When Paul wrote to Timothy about this kind of thing, he said, warn them against, uh, before God against quarreling about words is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be right and stick to your convictions. That's important. You should be right. You should stick to your convictions. You should know your doctrine. But how you deliver it matters. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. Here's your proof that I don't know the Bible specifically, because I look up where 2 Timothy is in this copy. <coughs> Second Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. This is the attitude we need to have. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, 
Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Being right is important, but how we share matters. The second thing I said is wandering. The winning and then wandering. Wandering is like the rabbit trails, right? And there's nothing wrong with a rabbit trail once in a while, but if you spend all of your time majoring in the minors, all ferreting out all the details all the time, and you never spend any time actually majoring in the majors, the stuff that really matters, that can be a trap for the learner. Winning, wandering, wavering. Sometimes people read so many different things that they never really are able to settle. It gets them confused sometimes as well. Again, flipping your Bibles, this time to James 1, 6 to 8. Because James has some good advice for us on this. About how to live and how to think. James 1, starting at verse 6. He's talking about asking for wisdom from God. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Wavering this way and that way. This way and that way. And if you're always going side to side, you can never go forward. I want to say something else that's important to me. Something that I strongly believe that truth is truth. And I believe that science and theology can coexist, and as a matter of fact, should coexist. I want to tell you that history and theology can coexist and should coexist. As a matter of fact, there was a time where people started to say, well, maybe the kingdom of David wasn't real. Maybe it was just a made-up story that's in the Bible. And they would say that for years. Prominent um, historians, prominent archaeologists, we haven't found any evidence of King David, and then, oops, suddenly they did. History and theology can coexist. Archaeology and theology can coexist. Astronomy and theology can coexist. Truth is truth. Now, we can unpack this if we had more time about how we read the Bible matters too. And that affects some of this stuff. We're not unpacking it now. If you want to unpack it over coffee, give me a shout. Uh, we'll talk. But my point is this. How do you determine truth? What is your foundation for truth? Is it a whole bunch of other books where you might find maybe some knowledge or maybe it's just more opinion? You might find some facts or maybe it's just more conjecture. What is your foundation about what is true? Is it the word of God or the word of man? I would suggest you start there with the Word of God. 
And from there, go crazy. Go explore. Go read. But always compare it back to the Word of God as your foundation. That is the truth. Whether you're reading books, taking courses, listening online, we always need to go back there. One more time, we're going to take a look at at, uh, 2 Timothy 3. This time, verses 14 to 17. Samaritan. I have a good memory, it's just short. Second Timothy eighteen fifty two. Here it is. Second Timothy eighteen fifty two. Chapter three. Starting at verse fourteen. And this is Paul's advice to Timothy, and it's great advice for us as well. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convicted of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how, from infancy in his case, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Continue in what you've become convinced of, the Word of God. This is why it says... To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. It's important that we engage the mind God gave us a brain to use. And he wants us to grow in that. And not just for us, but for others too. That they can know the joy of knowing Jesus. Now at the end of all this today, if you think, is there something wrong with me? This is not for me at all. Remember that you are as unique as your fingerprint. And hopefully over these nine weeks, you have found in the nine temperaments different ways you can connect with God in different amounts at different times. And find your own sacred pathway. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you are faithful, that your word is true. And then we can stand firmly upon your word. Help us not to waver from that. Help us not to be worried about winning. And help us not to get lost in the wandering paths of the rabbit trail. Father, may we find you as we engage our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final hymn together today is I Know Whom I Have Believed. It's number 527 in your hymnals. Please stand as we sing together.